Coming up today on David vs. Goliath. You are who you hang with. You're a forever student. You can always learn something. The world owes you nothing. I can't take any more pain. Welcome to today's episode of David vs. Goliath, a podcast dedicated to helping small businesses leverage technology to not only help them compete against their large competitors, but win. Your host is currently the CEO of Anthem Business Software, a free-time Inc. 500 recipient and a serial entrepreneur with a passion to help small businesses everywhere find, serve, and keep more customers profitably. Please join me in welcoming your host, Adam DeGrade. Hey everyone, it's Adam DeGrade with the David versus Goliath podcast. Welcome. Today's guest is going to be Jessica Jones, an interior designer from Orange County, California with her own firm. We're going to learn so much about how to make things look beautiful today and what it takes to run an interior design business. Many of us don't think about it, but we all appreciate it when we see good design. We may not even see it. We might feel it. We just know it's right. And that's what we're going to talk about today on the David versus Goliath podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by AnthemSoftware.com, where you can find, serve, and keep more customers profitably with their all-in-one solution of software, CRM software, marketing services that get results, and a training lab to help you make the right decisions as you grow your small business. Take the 122nd tour today at AnthemSoftware.com. Be sure to visit us online at DavidVSGoliathPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to receive our newsletter and apply to be on the podcast. And so many other things are there as well too. Articles, blogs, check it out. Great source of information for small businesses and a great resource for you as well too. I've been talking about my personal project, Adam Degrade the Calm. You're looking at the album right now. It's available on Apple. It's available on Spotify. Here's a quick little snippet of one of the tracks. Check it out. We'll be right back. that is the Adam DeGrade album called The Calm. And as I told you several weeks back, I was working on a rock album and I started to record it over the last several weeks. It should be done by the middle of July. I'm pumped out of my mind. I'm having a blast. And a little later in this episode, I'm going to show you a snippet, a verse and a chorus of a song 
that should rock your world. It's called Octane. The project's going to be called Adam, Artist Developing Astonishing Music. And the EP is going to be called Apex Rising, which will make a lot of sense when we get to that part in this today's episode. Well, with all of that being said, and getting all the music out of the way, let's get back to business right now with Jessica Jones. Jessica, welcome to the David versus Goliath podcast. Thank you, Adam, for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. It is so great. Well, you look fantastic. Thank you. And Jessica, for the watchers and the listeners, is our first interior design owner. Um, she has a company that she does interior design for people called the Jess Jones Design Group. And I took a look at your website before the show, and it's well done, well laid out. And uh, this is, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show because my wife and I just went through this um, about 18 months ago. We bought a house, a brand new house here on the lakes in Orlando. We hired an interior designer. And this gentleman did a great job and he, you know, handled everything from shopping to the colors with Crystal and, and how you and I met Jessica is from my wife. I believe in a past life, she went to school yeah. uh, out there in, in Orange County, California, which is like a home away from home for me. Matter of fact, if the taxes were better and the politics were better out there, I'd be living there. I'm just talking it's to you really people that run California. Oh, it's crazy. I don't even know how you people do it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Florida is like the last bastion of freedom on the United States of America. So we're glad we're here. And right now you're currently the president of the ASID Orange County president chapter of the American Society of Interior Designers. Mm -hmm. And you also have recently started Jess Jones Design Group, which is a big step because when you work for another firm for many years and you've been in the industry for so long, to take that step is awesome. And so what people love about the show, Jessica, is that we love interviewing people at all different stages of their small business, whether it's brand new startup to someone who's been around five, six, seven years with 400 employees. We love all of it. And so welcome today. When you're looking back, uh, tell the folks a little bit about your history and why you fell in love with design. And we'll let the conversation take us from there. Okay, great. Thank you, Adam. Um, design's always been in my blood. Uh, my father is um, a sales executive for an airplane cabin interior design firm. And my grandfather, his father was um, a custom upholstery uh, maker and a custom furniture maker. So it's always been there. And I didn't realize that until obviously I was in my later teens and early twenties that um, I would be a now a third generation designer. I went wow. back to college. I dropped out of college and I went back to college in my mid twenties and I graduated from the interior designers Institute in Newport beach, California. And from there, I just flourished and I really found my passion. I never was into math and science and everything, you know, regular college curriculum. And I just felt this feels right. And I excelled there. And from there, I started to work for a high-end uh, luxury boutique design firm in Newport Beach for 10 years. Honed in my skills. Got a lot of experience, a lot of exposure. You know, I thought I knew what luxury design was, you know, graduating and living in Orange County. And I had no idea. It was quite the shock, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what, though? That is a good area of the country to be living in. There's a lot of amazing projects. I mean, you think about the beautiful homes that are there. I think it's just in Laguna and Newport Beach. But there's so many people that are buying properties tearing them down and refurbishing them or building them from scratch. And they need someone like you. And I liked what you said. I watched an interview that you had recently with an industry 
um, publication. It was Monogram, I think. It's actually on your website, and I, I encourage people to go take a look at it. And he was talking about trends that he that you're seeing in the market. And what I thought was fascinating is that you said you love to keep things timeless, whether that's a modern current flair or a traditional. And then you said there was a third. There was a third um, one. Transitional, I think, is what you said. Uh-huh. Transitional. And, uh, and I thought that was interesting. What do, what do you mean exactly by that? How do you keep, you know, it was so funny. My buddy bought a house here in Florida and he's, he's gutting it. And he's renovating it. He doesn't have the, the budget to have an interior designer. So as he's taking me through his home, you know, he's doing each room in there. It's great. And he goes, and this is our 1970s bathroom, literally made with like, you know, white and then like green and like the worst lighting you've ever seen in your life. So back then somebody said to themselves, Oh, this is modern and it's going to be timeless, but obviously it doesn't. It is not timeless. It's a 70s bathroom, clearly. So, what do you mean exactly by that? The, regardless of whether it's transitional, modern, or traditional, how do you try to take, up, take that project and keep it timeless without losing the heart of a modern flair, for example? Right. Right. And that's a good question. And, you know, when, I, when it comes to working with an architect, or, or if I don't have an architect, working with the integrity of the actual home or the building. So if you have a traditional home or a craftsman home or anything that has a, an, an architectural style to it, I try to keep that, to keep the integrity, to keep the house cohesive inside and out. So when I'm doing that process, I like to keep materials that are timeless. And when I say that, it's brick, it's natural stone, it's hardwood floors. You know, nothing that is going to date the house quickly. You can always have fun with your light fixtures, your furnishings, your rugs, your art. That could be more trendy. But when you keep the bones of the house more timeless and clean, that house can stand the test of time. You know, it's obvious that design has really, you know, transitioned since the 50s, 60s, and 70s to where we are today. But I've designed homes in the early 2000s that if you were to walk in it to today, it still feels current and new. Because of the materials that are used and the colors, and is that is that because you, is that because Jessica, you, you what you're trying to do is you're trying to keep, like you said, the bones and the structure to be as simple as possible and let the accent pieces dictate what is current or what you're trying to go for for that time period uh, accent, yeah. or is it a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both, but at the end of the day, you know, I try to also come off to be a little bit more architectural. So I want whole walls of backsplash, whole walls of fireplaces, floor to ceiling details, um, built in niches and just, you know, some characteristics that you're not going to see on the average home. You know, I've worked with custom homes and I work with every kind of budget today with my own firm, you know, but when it comes to when you really focus on the actual intent of the design and you keep that integrity of the design. So say, for example, you have a house and and it's more of a traditional farm style house and you have brick on the exterior. Well, let's bring the brick on the interior somewhere, whether that's a backsplash, a fireplace, you Mm. know, uh, a column, you know, just a feature wall. And so then you're repeating those materials and you're keeping the color scheme the same. I also call it like a little bit more um, neutral organic. Like one of my styles is I love European organic design. And if you think about it, when you travel abroad and you go to Europe, those things are timeless and they've been built by brick and marble and stone and limestone, those timeless materials that we can still use today. It's just a matter of how you execute it. 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting, you know. And as you can tell by my stretch, uh, my questions, I am not an interior designer. Um, I can <laughs> I can barely dress myself, as you can see. I've got a little gray in the beard. I'm wearing a David versus Goliath T-shirt, and you look you look professional and put together. <laughs> I, on the other hand, look like a bum. But I, you know, as I tell people all the time, I, I earned my way out of wearing suits years ago, so I yeah. buried them. Uh, you know, and, and it's interesting. So when you went to school, how long how long is school for a, a traditional you know, getting your interior design degree, so to speak. Um, well, it's, it, it could be a four-year degree. It could be a two-year degree. You can go in and get your master's. It depends on what area and what avenue. A lot of commercial designers and um, kind of like mini architect or like mini architects. And so I went to four years and I graduated from IDI in 2005. 2004. Sorry, 2004. And um, and I did night school. I put my I you know, uh, worked my way through college and I went to night school and that's where I met your wife and we had a lot of classes together. We actually even traveled to Italy together. Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> that's great. Good. Yeah. You got to tell yeah. me some of the stories when we get together and I have a drink with you this summer. You got to tell me some, some Italian Absolutely. stories with my, with my wife. Yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I, it's fascinating. So you went for four years and then you learned it and then you started to just get involved in it. You know, and I think the, the watchers and listeners of David versus Goliath, they love to hear people's stories on how, you know, they not only did they get into it because you owning your own interior design firm did not happen overnight. It takes time, right? It takes planning and goals. And so when you are working for that other very top end design firm that you worked at for, for several years, mm-hmm. at what point during that journey did you start to think in your back of your mind, Jessica, that that's just something you wanted to do on your own versus being a part of that team. And then how did you prepare to make that transition? Okay. You know, I was there and I was very happy, you know, working for this, with this firm and, and my boss, and she was a brilliant designer and it was probably about year seven. I had gotten married and I was working full time for her and I was just really um, learning a whole lot and, and thought I'd have more growth in the company. And I just really didn't see that happening. And so uh, long story short, you know, my husband and I decided that it's time for us to create Just Jones Design Group. And so on the downtime, you know, the side hustle, nights and weekends, I was photographing side work that I had done, side projects that I had done throughout the years. I was working on all the marketing, the the business plan, the website, the branding, the logo. All of that for for months, for at least six months, almost probably almost ten months before I launched. And I eventually gave my notice, and I launched. And my anniversary date's coming up, June first. I'll be in business for six years. Wow! And uh, and I've never looked back. That's <laughs> great, you. by the way. I'm, I'm clapping. I'm clapping for you. You know, you. it's uh, I love sto- I love stories like this because everyone's journey to owning their own business is a different one, right? I mean, if you looked at my history, Jessica, I mean, everything from flipping hamburgers to uh, I managed a restaurant at 18 years old. I delivered pizza for Domino's. I was a customer service rep at a bank. I became a radio salesperson. I made jingles for people. I then went to my own ad- agency, turned it into my own software company. You know, there's, the, the road is never a straight line, but everything that surrounds us in our life has a, a, an amazing impact. Right. So when you when you think about it, it was like that seven year itch you had in the business that you were currently dealing with. You started to say, man, I really want to do this myself. It's still a big step to do that, to take that faith. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. 
But when it comes to like planning and goals, when you, when you were working on that transition, did you and your husband or did you have a specific plan in mind? In other words, I'm going to leave on this date. Here's what I need to do from a marketing perspective. Here's how we're going to get clients. Or was it kind of like you hung a shingle up, stared at each other and said, I hope somebody comes to us. Like there ha- <laughs> was there a plan or was it more you're shooting from the hip? It was both. It was both. Uh, because I had so many great relationships and I've been in the industry for 10 years, I had a lot of connections. So I knew that um, the business would come in little by little and I did have a plan. And like I said, it was social media was hitting off at the time, even more so the website. But for me, it was just getting in front of the builders and the architects and letting everyone know that I branched off on my own. And I did get quite a few clients instantly when I did launch on June 1st. I hadn't planned that date and actually my boss was about ready to give me a raise and and promote me when I already had everything set into place because she probably felt the vibes that I wish wasn't happy there anymore. And so at that point I had to give her my notice and then, but I stayed for another almost two months so I can train someone because I was that right hand person. Yeah, that really is the key, man. If you're gonna if you're gonna move out on your own and somebody's counting on you in a big time way, you gotta do it the right way. Jessica, that's awesome. We gotta take a break from our corporate sponsor, Anthem Software, but stay right there because it's gonna be a lot of fun. Listen to this. You're learning about interior design right now. Who knew that there was modern, traditional, and transitional, whatever the heck that means? Jessica knew it. I had no idea, but we're gonna be back in a second. Here's a very important message. From our sponsor, Anthem Software, we'll be right back. Anthem Business Software System is designed to specifically help small businesses just like yours find, serve, and keep more customers profitably. We do this by providing you with the most powerful software, automations, and marketing services to help your business compete and win in this ever-changing digital world. Take a short video tour at AnthemSoftware.com. And we're back with Jessica. Now, Jessica, I promised my listeners a little sneak peek of a musical project that I am working on right now. So here's a rough mix. This is not going to fit into this episode at all, Jessica. <laughs> I, my, my, my piano acoustic album and, and string album would 100% fit in this episode. But I'm about to play some hard rock that I've been working on. It's a project called The Atom Project. The EP is going to be called Apex Rising. Here's a little track. Just the beginning of it in the first chorus of a song called Octane. Enjoy.
And as you can tell, your head was just blown off from that ridiculous song. And Jessica, we should have, pro- I should have probably, uh, debuted my, uh, string album and acoustic piano album, which I don't know if you've heard yet. You should check it out. It's on I Apple. Have heard a little bit. All right. Good. Yeah. Make sure you go and follow it and add it to a playlist and stream it because I need my two cents of play. Okay. No, I will do. <laughs> you, you know, I, I give you a lot of credit because, you know, when you're starting your own business and, you know, you're planning that, you're thinking that in the back of your mind, you know, people don't appreciate this. You know, there's people that are watching and listening right now that are going through this exact same thing where they've been in a place for a long time. They've been in an industry for a long time. They're maybe not psyched with the way things are being run in the back of their minds. They're thinking, oh, I could do this better. Right. Well, what the heck are you waiting for? At some point, you've got to do it. And so here you are, you're going through it. You're planning it. You go out, you had the tenacity to do it. Now, you've recently started to expand your business. Originally, it was you out on your own. Mm -hmm. You just added a full-time person as well, too, which is another big step, by the way. And that comes into people. So as an interior designer, even though you might only have one or two or three employees in the actual design group itself, Mm -hmm. there are dozens and dozens of relationships that you rely on to do your job. Absolutely. Tell the watchers and listeners, A, how do you find the people that you work with that you trust that deliver that consistent quality, right? Because whether you're vetting a vendor or a supplier, it's not much different than vetting somebody who is going to be working alongside of you. It's very similar because in right. many respects, if they mess up, you're hurt, they're hurting your brand and vice versa, right? Correct. So tell the folks a little bit about your process and how you selected the people that you currently work with and how you find more. And then second of all, what do you look for in people that are going to be working in the future for your design firm? You know, it's a great question because it really is going to make or break your business. And it's something as president of American Society of Interior Designers, I talk about a lot and I bring to the table for the emerging professionals, the students, and even veteran designers is that your relationships are going to make or break you. So nurturing the relationships with the vendors, the architects, the builders, the artisans, the showrooms, Um, all of your outside sales reps, and you just build these relationships and they will have your back when things go wrong because things do go wrong at times. You know, you could try your hardest to plan everything out, but sometimes it just doesn't go accordingly. You know, it's not science. And, you know, if you have a great team, you're going to excel. But if there's one person on that team that isn't a team player, things can fall through the cracks pretty quickly. So through the years, you know, 10 years in being in Orange County and in the industry, I had gained a lot of relationships. And I still have those relationships. I've worked with some of my reps now for 15, 18 years now. That's um, great. And, and then, of course, I always introduce new reps and I want to give, you know, new people the opportunity as well. And I've always been a big advocate on learning. I'm always wanting to learn more. So I reach out to my reps to know about the latest, the greatest product, whether it's appliances or fabrics or um, furniture, stone, you know, plumbing fixtures. I'm always wanting to learn more so that I can bring that, you know, to the plate for my clients. Yeah. That's, I want to ask you a more specific question about that too, but I actually interviewed a dude who works with interior designers, stores and in interior designers, and he does cow hides that are in from Brazil he does uh, zebra skins that are in from, I don't even know where, uh, but ethically sourced. His name was, uh, um, oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. I've interviewed so many people recently. His company is called Furrug, F-U-R-U-G.com. Check okay. it out because it might oh, have wow. some really cool stuff that, you know, that people out there might like. I want you to get very specific. You talked about nurturing relationships 
And one of the things we try to do here on David versus Goliath is give like a practical example. So in the early days, when you were working for that other firm, mm -hmm. how did you develop relationships with people at that point that carried you into when you went on your own? Did you bring them donuts? Is it, was it just about being friendly? Did you visit them from time to time? Did you, how did you socialize with them at shows? Like very granular. How did you develop those relationships? Either A, that came along with you when you went on your own and B, that you're finding right now. What are the steps that you take to try to really show that I'm a valuable person. I believe what you have is valuable. Let's work together. How do you do that practically? Right. Typically it's the reps coming to me, bringing me the donuts and bringing me the bottles of wine and taking me to lunch and to dinners and, and to trade shows because they want to sell their product to me. Um, That's great. But at the end of the day, you, I reach out to them if I have a special project and I'm like, I need a very specific kind of wood species for this wood floor for this very specific project. I reach out to those reps. They provide those samples. Um, but yeah, it, it, it becomes trust, you know, and the firm that I was at, the reps had to get through me to get to my boss. And so they mm -hmm. would all, you know, want to come into the office and I would meet with them and they would showcase their fabrics and their materials. And then I their would cow hides. Or their cow hides, exactly, <laughs> which I'm sitting on right now or under my sofa right now is a beautiful cow hide. But, um, and so you just, you, and then you learn trust and you, then you learn also the quality of the products that are being brought in. So then you know the budgets and the price points of where you can place these for the client projects. And, you know, wood flooring can go from $2 a square foot to $25 a square foot. So just knowing, knowing those different vendors carry the different budgets for you across the mm -hmm. board on every single thing for interior design. Um, that's paint, that's plumbing fixtures, light fixtures, you know, furniture, fabrics, you know, you name it. Um, and then you just, you know, over time, it's, they are your go-tos. And so, and they trust you and you trust them and they're going to perform. And if you ever have to bring them in for client meetings as well, they're going to make you shine because you've given them so much work and you've been so loyal and faithful to them. Yeah. Um, and, and them to you as well. Like they're going to go, they're going to bend over backwards to help you on any. They any really, design. they really are an extension of your design yeah. group, right? 100%. I mean, yeah. And, and vice versa. Like you're an extension of their product and services. Right. You know, I, I've always find this, I find the whole industry fascinating because in your business, I would imagine you're typically trading time for money. So right. in other words, you know, someone says, I say to you, Jessica, Hey, I just bought a 5,000 square foot home. It's on Laguna Beach. We're tearing it down. I'm building a 7,500 square foot home. You know, you, you probably look at square footage, I would imagine, and how you're pricing out your product, mm -hmm. how much time it's going to take. And right. then do you come, you know, walk us through the life of a proposal of something like that. Some guy comes to you or some gal comes to you and they say, here's the project. You know, this is what we're looking to do. And they don't have much more beyond that. How do you help them think that through themselves? and then present the proposal to actually get the business. Okay. Um, it's done in a couple different ways. It depends if it's a referral, if it's a referral from past clients, friends, family, architects, builders, vendors, or if it's someone that actually found me from website or social media or Google, right? Um, and so you vet them and you and you kind of interview them. So you go through a discovery call process. And at that point, if, if it's a client that is of caliber for you, uh, then you go and I typically will have a meet and greet and have a consultation with them. If it's a new build, then we just meet um, 
to go over their current plans. If it's a remodel, I'll meet in their home and I'll walk and talk the design ideas. And then from that point, I will look at the scope of work. I'll see the square footage of the house. I'll see everything that's entailed, if it's all new construction and new furnishings. And I will sit down for days and I'll kind of plug all the numbers and all the dollars and say, okay, this is where we're at. It's gonna be approximately you know, 500 hours to do your project. Um, these are the fees. And then if they say, okay, it's a go. And, and you know, there's a lot of variables there because if they have an architect and a builder and you have a whole team, you know, if the clients are decision makers and they can make decisions quickly, um, projects can go most, more smoothly, but you never really know who that client is and you're getting really intimate with them. You know, we're talking about how they want their bathroom yeah. laid out, what kind of sheets that they want to be sleeping on, you know, just how they use everything in their kitchen, right? So you're, you're having conversations with them. And sometimes it can kind of get not uncomfortable, but out of the client's comfort zone because they're not used to having strangers ask them, you know, their private living situations. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> you say that because I remember. So uh, when Nathan, he was our interior designer that Crystal found here uh, locally in, uh, in our area in Florida. Great guy, by the way. Awesome. You love him. Great spirit. Great panache. The guy was very talented. But I kept finding myself like the Steve Martin character on Father of the Bride right. saying to him, uh, no, Nathan, I'm looking for the cheaper chicken. <laughs> the cheaper chicken, Nathan. No, we don't want to do filet right. mignons on top of lobster right. and caviar. Right. Right. I'm looking right. for the, how about some fried chicken for me, Nathan? Just once in a while, one of those. And uh, we used to <laughs> laugh all the time because my wife is, you know, obviously, you know, she's an interior she loves interior design, and so she respects the process. <laughs> the guy that comes in at the end, he goes, uh, I'll take the cheaper chicken, please, with the fried French fries on the side and the green beans. But um, it made, we made a really good you know, combination because I think the blend of my sense of humor right. and, uh, and Crystal's uh, you know, pillow talk at night, we got it done. <laughs> so, for, for her love of fine wine and caviar. <laughs> yeah, exa ex exactly. But I was that guy. So I, I wonder how you would have, how you would have managed a guy like me that would say to you, Hey, you know, Jessica, this is all lovely stuff. That cow hide's great. But how about, how about we get some stuff on like Target and we, we, we throw it now, so, Adam, I have that all day long. I have it, you know, uh, you know, we look at the budget. And what I do tell my clients is that I have worked at such a high end firm for so long that I know what looks good on a budget. So I'll say, I always will say, can we pick and choose our battles? We'll pick and choose where we're going to spend that budget. Where's the biggest Correct. buck, right? Bang for our buck. So is that going to be in the beautiful grand fireplace or is it going to be in your sofa? Right? Yeah. Or, or, in, a, or in a rug or right. in, in this room, maybe it's not this room. Maybe it's not the rug. Maybe it's the furniture. You know, I mean, so yeah, it's, it was a fascinating process. And, uh, at some point I had to put the kibosh on it and just say, all right, <laughs> stop the bleeding. The pain is over. I can't, I can't take any more pain. And, uh, I'm pretty sure my, my producer is going to use that. I can't take any more pain. And he's going to put right. that in the trailer guaranteed. Uh, that's, a, that's really awesome. Well, we got to take, we got to take another break uh, okay. from another sponsor. When we come back, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about marketing because I would imagine marketing is a big part of how you get your word out to Absolutely. people. And then we want to talk about courage. You're with Jessica Jones and your handsome host, Adam DeGrade. You're watching and listening to the greatest small business podcast in America, if I say so myself, which I say all the time, the David versus Goliath podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At ISU Armac Agency, 
We want to be your one responsible source for all of your insurance needs. From a rocket engineer in California to several hospitals in Illinois, our personal lines team specializes in hard-to-place risks and high net worth clientele. With two locations and 20-plus agents, we can write in all 50 states to better serve our clients with needs in multiple states. Family-owned and operated since 1962 and four generations carrying on the tradition of insurance. Celebrating our 60th year in the industry, we are truly proud of where we have come from and where we are going. With over 300 carriers nationwide, our agency can offer individuals and businesses more choices and better prices. ISU RMAC brings a wide variety of solutions to the table. For more information, visit us online at www.isu-rmac.com. segment with Jessica Jones. This is going to be great. She, I'm quick on the draw. She was trying to give me a one second thing. She was trying to take a sip of water and I was like, no, we're going for it. But we're back here on the David versus Goliath podcast. Now, when you're when you're doing a house, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of before and afters are part of your storytelling, right? Um, you know, it, it's critical. Like even when you go to your website, I noticed your website is beautiful. We're showing a little piece of it right now, if that's okay. Jessica, is it okay if I show your website? Absolutely, on the, on the, please do. So my producer right now is scrolling a little bit through the homepage, and you can see, I noticed white is a really big thing right now. We actually did the same thing with our house. Mm-hmm. Um, we had used to have a more traditional home, and we had like arches that were in the hallways. We blew them out. We straightened them out to give it more height versus right. that old like style, the Spanish style that was here. And uh, we painted like you know different shades of white around and we really like cleaned up here's a shot of our kitchen really quick i'm showing you just so you can get an idea of what we did in the kitchen the cabinets used to be red you know that you know so we really tried to lighten it and brighten it um you know before and afters are critical social media is critical Mm -hmm. how much do you do right now and what are the mediums that you're finding the most success on when it comes to the visual representation of what you do You know, I I think the website is really, really key, you know, and having a Google page. Um, I do get inquiries from social media on occasion. That's not my ideal client. So I don't expect to get all my ideal clients um, from a social media. It's more of a like a lookbook for a lot of people. Um, I follow a lot of designers and architects and builders and and cool vendors and showrooms and stores throughout the world. Um, So I go there for inspiration. I think a lot of people go there for inspiration. Um, when it came to my marketing and the team that helped me build my website and logos and branding, it all was about who I am. And I, and I pride myself on that elegance of timeless design. And so I wanted my website and branding to also reflect that. And for myself personally, I've had a lot of word of mouth um, advertising and clients um, through my vendors, through my builders, I get a lot of work from the people that I've worked with in the past. Um, I have a great. Do you do? A, do you do a? Um, you know, it's interesting. Most businesses have should have their highest level of percentage of clients coming from word of mouth. Obviously, customers who love you and refer you. Mm-hmm. Not easy to do. 
Um, it's amazing to me though, how people still go to Google to check out your reviews. Yes. Do you proactively try to get reviews from your customers? Um, all my reviews are on the house platform and I also feature some testimonials on my website, but I do typically ask my clients at the end of a project, um, if they would, would mind, you know, sharing a testimonial about how it was to work with me, because I, I feel that that really validates when people don't know you and, and say it is a complete stranger. It's not a referral. Um, they go on there and they, they can see that, okay, you know, she's worked with many, many other clients. She has projects on here. She has social media. There's reviews, a house page, you know, all the things that align for an interior designer. Um, I'm represented there, Facebook included, um, Pinterest, you know, all of the different social media platforms. Um, so I think that just ideally it, it's important to have that feedback. And I always want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly, because I always want to improve myself, right? Yeah, totally, um, right. I'm I, I'm a, a lifelong learner, so I'm always wanting to better myself. I'm constantly diving into podcasts and audible books and books, and and I read constantly because at the end of the day, I'm only going to be as 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 good as, as as much as I know my knowledge. Right, knowledge is power, and so I continuously always tap into those kind of things to help me grow. So I could be a better designer. I could be a better client, I, you know, or not um, client to my reps, but a, a better, you know, designer for my clients. Yeah, it's awesome. You talk about student. I call it the principle called you're a forever student. Yes. You can always learn something. Mm -hmm. always. And the reason why you watch and listen to this podcast is because you're a forever student right. and we're all learning together. Nobody's got the perfect formula, but together, all of our ideas collectively can make a major impact in our lives. Now, before we head on to, um, you know, uh, my favorite topic, which is courage, it says, uh, do you have any weird pet peeves? It says, <laughs> I don't know if this is weird. She said, but I am dumbfounded by people who are not self-aware, who are negative and who are phony. In other words, people are like, today's horrible. The world's a mess. Right. Planet, I can't stand it. Blah, 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 blah. I'm with you on that, by the way. People like this tend to play a victim's role. I can't stand this. I think this is a major crisis, by the way, right. in our society at large, is the victimhood mentality. And especially in like teenagers to mid-20s, it's like the world owes you something. The world owes you nothing. No. You owe the world something. There's a big difference. Right. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you, man, for how, many, how long are we going to blame our parents for our problems, right? <laughs> it's like... Or politicians for our problems. At some point, we got to look in the mirror. And then it also talked about, um, you know, when it comes to collecting things. I thought that was interesting, but that's why I wanted to read that. That you love to collect memories of travels, mm -hmm. which I do as well too. Crystal and I, I'm like the I'm like the family historian, Jessica. Love so it. Crystal doesn't really take a lot of photos, but if we go somewhere, I'm like purposely making sure I'm documenting something. And it was so amazing by doing that over the last, you know. 12 years we've been together or whatever, however long it's been. I think it's been 12 at this point, 10 years of our anniversary coming up in November. Um, for Christmas this year, she printed out a book for each year oh, of all it. of our memories together of every year we've been together. It was so beautiful and so special. And, uh, and, and, you know, it was, I actually shed a tear when I got it because I was like blown away okay. at the work it went into put that there. But these things are important, right? Mm -hmm. Timeless memories. And then, yeah, wine does count. She said, does wine count? Because I collect wine. You collect wine. I collect wine. I've been talking and about shoes. wine. If wine you go, and shoes. If you go, 
I don't have a lot of shoes, by the way. That's the one thing my wife's got a lot more than I have is, right. is uh, shoes. But uh, shoes are important as well, too. But crystals, you said. You said you collect crystals. What is that? What do you mean by that? Like, what kind of crystals? Geodes, natural pieces of the earth that are stone. And so we're looking at, like, smoky quartz and different quartzes and quartzites. And um, they just have a lot of energy to them. They're natural yeah. and organic. So I like to have them. And they just... They're a little bit of glam in my home. I don't have a very glamorous home. I'm more I'm a more uh, organic, casual person. Um, but I just really love the energy that they bring into this space. Now, do you do you, do you find yourself using those in projects that you actually design absolutely. as well to people? Yes. You know, absolutely. I've seen a few of them. They've never really. Crystal likes them a little bit more than I do. I'm like I'm like into these like Savorsky crystals eagles. I have it. I have an eight and a half foot bronze horse in my living room. You know what I mean? Like I've got, I've got a picture of crystal. I call it crystal spirit animal. And we've shown it on this podcast before of a cheetah, this female, this female, actually it's a leopard. It's a female leopard out of yeah. Africa. I mean, so like, you know, my house is, it's very interesting, but I noticed that there are people that love this stuff and that's really, really cool. And they I are beautiful. Like, found objects you know i like to curate a home and so i don't want to just go to the, your your local accessory store or your local home goods to to find all the pieces for your home i want to collect them and 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 curate your house so it's and you want to have a story i think that's critical yeah you gotta have a story, story exactly. behind those things as well too exactly. do you help people pick out artwork as well I try to, you know, art is very personal. So a lot of clients come with a lot of art already. And sometimes we design the space around the art. I'm currently doing a project that we're kind of doing that right now. Um, and then sometimes clients that they have no interest, you know, they, they, their interest is, you know, the quality of the sofa that they're going to be, you know, hanging out watching their football game on versus a piece of art. So every client's a little bit different, but yeah, I, I've curated art for clients as well. Yeah. Chris and I were just talking about the other day. We didn't realize how much numbered art we have and how much we've over the years have just enjoyed meeting the artists. Like I try to like to find those, like, especially in like Laguna beach. I've, um, Absolutely. I've worked with Vladimir Kush. I have several of Vladimir Kush's pieces. <laughs> I have Marlon Holden. I have a, a, a oh, couple of I love Marlon. He's my favorite. Marlon's, first of all, is Marlon the coolest guy in the planet or what? I mean, Absolutely just, you know, when you see Marlon, I got to actually put a call on him. I want Marlon on this podcast you because should. I want to, I want to show people his artwork, man, because he's just freaking master at his artwork. Yeah, he's a, he's and, actually a friend of mine. Oh, so you tell Marlon, Adam and Crystal degrade. We go and see him once a year, and we bought a couple of pieces from him. And a uh, matter of fact, I'll, I'm showing a piece right now on Marlon Holland that I have here. And I actually used this as a as an inspiration for my family crest, uh, which people could see on my website, adamdegrade.com. But, you know, back to business. Um, I, I, I literally, you, can, you suck me into art talk. I mean, I can talk about this stuff. I mean- I, I, it's so funny. Like I, when I interview musicians, I end up talking more about music than I do about business. I just can't help myself. Like I love this stuff. Well, then but, and I can know, go that direction as well. Cause that's my other favorite thing in life is music. Are you a musician? I am not a musician and you don't want me to be, but I love music. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I love music so much. It's, it's like, I didn't realize how much I missed doing my own music for years. I produced other people's music and, and I owned a record label and I found independent artists and I helped promote them and get their career started. But I never did anything for myself. And it was funny, right around 49, 50 years old, when I turned 50, uh, my wife, she just encouraged me. She's like, 
you got to make an album out of your piano is beautiful. So I did. And then I said, you know, I've never made a solo rock project. I said, but I've got nothing to sing about. I don't want to, I don't have like teenage angst, but I want to do hard (laughs) rock. It's like, so I came up with this idea to create songs about video game characters and they're coming out amazing, which as you heard earlier. And, uh, and so I think that's important in life that our artistic, no matter how much we do business, that we are finding those things in life, whether it's crystal collections or pieces of art or music or literature um, or, or uh, you know, plays, uh, movies, whatever we can to expand and enrich our lives. I think it really helps us become better entrepreneurs and better business owners because that life experience is like speaking into us. Now, Absolutely. I always end that my wife's probably saying about this time, Adam, shut up and ask her a question. So yes, Crystal here, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to ask her a question. So when it comes to like courage, you know, I named the show David versus Goliath because Which I love, by the way, it takes, thank you. It takes a lot of courage to step out and slay a giant. Sometimes the giant is a competitor in an industry. You want to go and change that industry. Right. Sometimes the giant is yourself that you have to face in the mirror to say, am I ever going to do something that I know I'm supposed to do? Sometimes the giant is the person who told you you'd never amount to anything and that you could never own your own business, and that's your giant. So the point behind the show isn't the fact that we're just taking on big corporate bureaucrat BS, which we are, but at the end of the day, what is the giant that you're taking on for you? And so when you think back, Jessica, on that day that you said, you know what, I'm going to do this, I'm going to start to plan on it, your husband and you created this, this plan and you went for it. What was it in you that gave you the courage to do it? And then the second part is, what advice do you have to others that are in that exact same spot right now? Yeah, it was a leap of faith, you know, and it was a lot of courage. And I just, I had a lot of mentors, um, some beautiful, beautiful people in my life that, that, that saw the talent in me um, that I did not see, you know, I, I didn't grow up with the parents that are encouraging me, telling me I could do it all in my life. You know, I really had to prove myself and I'm still proving myself to this day. Um, but I now have a different, uh, perspective in life. You know, I have a different love for myself. I have my relationship with God and, and it really all helped me realize that when you finally find that love in yourself, that you can really do anything and it continues to happen. I manifest stuff and I pray and things happen quickly in my life because I just really put my heart and soul into it and know that I am a good person and that I can make a difference in my own life, let alone other people's lives. And so now I have an employee and I'm helping with her life. And then I create beautiful spaces for my clients. And now I'm a part of a design community that I absolutely love and is flourishing here in Orange County. So it's all the different things that have helped me get the courage. But I've had some really low times. And in those low times, I've had to dig really deep and I journal a lot and I just... I have to come to terms with myself and I have to get out of that comfort zone. When I'm in my comfort zone, I go nowhere. But when I really look at what I want in life, I could sit here and be that same person all day long. I could have worked for my boss forever and made a decent living and never strived for bigger goals. And now that I've been on my own, it's, it's, I'm so goal oriented that every day I am surprised at what I can create for myself and for my That's surroundings awesome. and my loved ones. That is awesome. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, man, that is, that is profound. What advice do you have for people that are maybe stuck right now? Trust yourself. 
dive in, ask yourself the hard questions. You know, you have to own your own responsibility of who you are. And if you're out partying all the time or you're not taking care of yourself or you're not feeding yourself with more knowledge or you're just continuously around negative people, that's not going to get you where you need to be. You need to surround yourself with like-minded people and people that are successful, people that do have goals, um, you know, have those difficult conversations. I always say, you know, be a part of a community, be a part of whether it's a, a, a church community or a spiritual community or a design community, but something that's going to influence you um, to make better choices in your life. Um, I think that's, that is great. Fun. That is great advice. I remember I read a Max, uh, Max, not Max, Max not uh, John Maxwell, John Maxwell book years ago. And he said something that's so true. You are who you hang with. You know, if you want to be successful, hang with successful people. If you want to be miserable, hang out with those who look at the world through a dark glass. If you Absolutely. want to be, if you want to see things of beauty, hang around with people who see beauty. That is great advice. Jessica, have you had fun being on the David versus Goliath podcast today? Yes, I've had a blast. This is my first podcast, so it was a little nerve wracking. But now that we're into it, I think that you and I can sit here and talk for hours. Exactly. And we will this summer when, I, when I'm when i coming to hang out in Newport Beach. Wait. It'll be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. Jessica Jones, how can people find you? Uh, they can find me at my website, justjonesdesigngroup.com. I'm also on That's Instagram. Awesome. Are you on LinkedIn? Are you on LinkedIn? Are, you, are you on LinkedIn at all? I am on LinkedIn. Yep. I'm on all the platforms. There you go, folks. <laughs> Jessica Jones, Adam DeGrade, David versus Goliath. Education, inspiration, activation is what you get right here on the DVG podcast. Thank you so much for walk, uh, watching and tuning in. We'll see you next week. Have an awesome day.